0: If you'll turn in your Bibles uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about about empowered to serve, empowered to multiply. And this morning, we're talking about empowered for signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, that may be a revelation to you. You may be here this morning and say, you don't know my life. I want to tell you, I have experienced this. When my life was just a mess in 1979, it wasn't last week, so rest assured that I know more today than I did then. But when 1979, when I was a single mom with three children, even in the midst of the time when I did not think I could help anybody, God used me to help others. You know, it happened look at me and say, okay, <laughs> are you with me? It happened. I don't know why God used me. I was smoking. I would pray for people to get saved, pray for them to get delivered, then go have a cigarette and rejoice in what God did. It sounds absurd. People say that couldn't have been God. All's I can tell you were people got set free. The power of God was there. Like uh, my husband says often, you know, God uses a donkey. You got to you got to think about that. He can use anybody. And God is, God is desperate for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because God knows more than anybody else where we're at in this time frame, in this earth. And, and I believe he's putting that heart in his people of desperation that people would come to know Jesus because of all the things that are happening in the earth, that is the number one important thing. Because if everything stopped today, only those who know Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. And the world, and and, and a lot of people have believed this lie, are trying to take Jesus out of everything. But, you know, you can try to remove him from, from what's going on in the world, but you will never remove him from the earth because he owns it. And his Holy Spirit is hovering over it. And there will always be a remnant. There's always been a remnant. And turn to your neighbor and say, and we are it. And we are it. And we have the privilege of being the supernatural church in these last days. And the reason we're supernatural is because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And we cannot let go of those roots. We have to hold on to those roots, just like America needs to hold on to the original intent of why God started this nation. The church that believes in the awesome power working every day in everyday life today, just like when Jesus walked the earth, has to remain strong in these last days. Because the enemy wants that stopped. He wants it stopped. He uses people. We talked about it last week. How a satanic enterprise connects with human cooperation. And then we have all this strife and things that are going on. I praise God for... Um, uh, Franklin I thank you father that he, let's pray for him again right now that he has the boldness in the pentagon this week to show the love of God but be firm in what he says I thank you father that Franklin Graham is raised up for such a time as this and that his boldness the enemy will not be able to lie against the enemy will be exposed for who he is and all of his works will be exposed for what they are and the glory of God will come into this place because nothing can stop the power of almighty God we working through a believer in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And I think that's the key today to this message, working through a believer. Everybody say working through a believer. You know, I think we have to get the revelation that God enjoys working with people. If you go back into the, for the very beginning in the garden, he created two people he could have fellowship with. He didn't have to do that. They messed up everything, but he loved Creation. He loved human beings. He loves you. He loves me. And so when we make mistakes, the same God of mercy that that in his mercy protected them from destruction, removed them from a garden where they'd be destroyed because they had allowed sin to get in, involved in their life, and glory and sin couldn't dwell together. In his mercy, he covered them with a covenant and set them out. And he, he joined up with Abraham. He joined up with Moses. He joined up with Joseph. God has always used people to do what he wants to do in the earth. And so he is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent, but he works through people. If he didn't want to work through people, he would not have had to waste his son's life. That's what it would have been. It would have been a waste. But to connect with people, he sacrificed his son. Do we get that today? Because that is the foundation truth that brings us to what is a supernatural church. God connected us to himself and said, now be like me. Be like me. Be who I am. You be like that in the earth. You expect those things to happen. And so it says in 1 Corinthians, this is Paul. You know, he's, he is definitely a charismatic. We talked about that. It means he operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know in especially the church of uh, Corinthian church, they were all mixed up. They had, the, they had praying in the Holy Ghost mixed up with the tongues and, and, and uh, interpretation as a gift of the Holy Spirit that would operate for the edification of the church. They got it all messed up. Church was just a mess. And so he had to come in. There were other issues. And Paul, being the apostle, the one over the church, came in and tried to straighten everybody out. How many of you know that's a hard thing to do? How many of you just tried to straighten out what goes on in your own house? How many of you know that can be a hard thing to do? Imagine, you know, coming into this city and beginning to try to fix what's going on. Part of it's good, part of it's not. And he says in the first verse of chapter 2, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. In other words, in his own nature... He didn't feel that he was capable or qualified. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in, but, in, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This was a different gospel. This was not a gospel of Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders. This was a gospel with Jesus Christ as the center of that gospel. And it was proven by the demonstration of the Spirit of God in what Paul did. And if you read the book of Acts, you will read many miracles. Acts four thirty three. I want us to go back. This is where we left off last week. And then we're going to talk about this just for a minute. Acts 4. Uh, 33 this is what it says and with great power the apostles gave witness everybody say gave witness that would be a demonstration everybody say demonstration you know when you give witness it demonstrates the awesome power of god working through our lives and it says that with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the lord jesus and great grace Everybody say, great grace. Great grace was upon them all. I believe today you're going to get a revelation of what that means about grace and the power of God and being a person that God wants to use for signs, wonders, and miracles. And you may be sitting here today and you say, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, you don't have to. God never forces us to do anything. But you get to. You get to be a part of what God wants to do in the earth isn 't that awesome? That is an awesome thing in psalm seventy one seven i 'm going to have him put this scripture up it says uh, it says, "I have become a wonder to many how many of you How many of you become a wonder to many <laughs> A wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge." <laughs> You know, I know when I was first saved, I was a wonder to many. I mean, I they wondered about me all day long. Hallelujah! <laughs> My family thought, oh, now she's not just crazy; she's got religion, and now she is a mess. Hallelujah! And you know, they were very, you know, they were very good Christians. You know, they went to church, they loved God, but I seemed a little radical, over the edge. And uh, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I got saved one day, filled with the Holy Ghost the next day before anybody could get a hold of me and tell me it wasn't real. And I had it. Now, I was a Looney Tune in the natural, I have to admit. However, inside me was a tremendous power of God that began to work. And I became a sign, a wonder, and a miracle. Now, granted, you know, I needed some things done to help me in that. I had to grow up. But I loved how I felt at that time in my life. Do any of you remember that? Do you remember that day? Well, a, a wonder, that word there, it goes to a, to the Greek word wondrous sign. A miracle, a sign, or a token. And in Isaiah 8, 18, it says in that particular scripture, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for. We are for. We are for. We are for signs and wonders in israel in other words their lives and what god did for them would be a sign and a wonder to those who were experiencing their life in the earth and i think today that's where the church is about to just explode on the scene in situations i think when franklin graham goes into the pentagon that those demons will be trembling they will be trembling and you know when demons get scared they say horrible things But that's just a sign that the power of God is working mightily in the room and scaring the devil because he knows his time is short. Hallelujah. And so we need to begin to be wise. We need to be children who understand the wisdom of God. This is what it says in my Bible about the demonstration of the gospel. And this is Pastor Billy Joe Doherty from Tulsa who we worked with for several years. It says the text reveals an apostolic priority that leadership must contend for in an age when the intellect is often defied and the demonstration of the spirit and of power is either unsought or ridiculed. How many of you know that the power of God can be ridiculed? In the last two weeks in here, we've prayed at the end of the service, laid hands on people. Some people fell under the power. I do not know how that happens. But I can tell you I am not shoving anybody. I'm not hitting anybody. The first time it happened to me, I went up thinking nothing will happen to me. I'm going to prove that this doesn't work. Have you ever tried to prove something? (laughs) That I woke up later on the floor trying to decide who did it and how I got there. Hallelujah. I still had a challenge with that. The power of God is real. And some people connect to that. Sometimes it doesn't happen. It has nothing to do with did the person receive. That's immaturity. And we're going to talk about that. When people judge what God is doing by what they see, that God isn't moving if they don't see something, that is from the, from the pit of hell. That's not true. Because then that makes people start comparing one to another. And that is never God. So when the power of God moves, we have to know it's moving. Why? Because Jesus said it would. It's moving. It affects some people differently. But we cannot discredit the power of God moving on a person's life. Do demons scream out? Yes, they do read the word of God. So if you lay hands on somebody now, listen, in this kind of church, people can think, ugh. And it can get, ugh! if people don't know the word of God. You have to have a solid foundation in the Word of God. The Word of God should always be taught. The Word of God says, signs and wonders and miracles, the gifts of the Spirit follow, follow the preaching of the Word of God. And that's what keeps the supernatural church on track. I didn't even have that in my message. Just take it or leave it. Hallelujah. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, back there, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. It doesn't say any other condition. Those who love him. You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing for people to to stay in worship and just love on God. Well, you can't expect God to move if you can't love on him. Because that's the very thing that just moves God. Is love. Is people loving on him and loving one another? It's the two commandments Jesus gave us. It says, But God has revealed them. See, that's an old custom. That's an Old Testament saying, I has not seen nor ear heard. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. However, everybody say, However, God has revealed them to us through his spirit the holy spirit the holy spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god verse 13 these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual pastor john taught on this on a wednesday night you need to get that series it's been a great series on the holy spirit Uh, but the natural man everybody say that is not me now it is not you if you know jesus A natural man, his spirit is not born again, not renewed, not alive. And this is what it says. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That would be the people at the Pentagon. Now you say, how can you judge whether they're saved or not? It says a natural man does not understand the things of God. It doesn't understand. Now, they're either natural or they're carnal. Everybody say carnal. And we'll touch on that in a minute. But it says that a spiritual man, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I want to tell you, this is something we yield ourselves to. This isn't something that just happened. A lot of people yield themselves to their flesh. You will not spiritually discern anything. You become what it says in chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, How many of you know when you have a baby or a child as they're growing, there's things they have understanding of and there's things they don't have understanding of? You know, I I say it often. Young people think their parents are just a little out there, a little not in touch with what's really going on. But when you get to be about 20, you realize, wow, maybe they were more touched than I thought they were. (laughs) Hallelujah. Maybe they did. And when you get to be my age, you're really glad for their wisdom. I go over and sit in my dad's house. He's 89. He's 89. And I sit down and ask Daddy, what would you think about this? What do you think about that, Dad? What do you think about this that we're getting ready to do? My dad is a bean counter. He'll tell me exactly what he thinks, and he's smart, and he knows the spirit of God, and he's 89 years old, and I trust him. Well, God is much more older than 89, plus he is perfect. And he has all wisdom. So when you have a need, ask him. Says he gives liberally all wisdom. But if you are a carnal Christian, this is where you live. It's verse 3. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you. What did we talk about last week? The enemy, the enemy of multiplication is strife. Is carnality, basically. And behaving like mere men. The supernatural church has to be a mature church. If they're not a mature church, there'll be all kinds of things start happening. People will become jealous of other people's gifts, and they'll want other people's gifts. Have you ever said to yourself, oh, I wish I was just like Allison? But you can't even carry a tune in the bucket. I'm telling you, that's not your gifting. Hallelujah. Now, you're a worshiper. All of us are supposed to be worshipers, but you will never be Allison. And if you try to be Allison, you're going to fail your whole life because God didn't give you a voice to sing like Allison. He didn't give you her gift. Maybe you have her gift, but you're not the one who's supposed to be doing it. These are the places where the charismatic church falls in the ditch on a regular basis carnality everybody say carnality so if we're going to operate as this church that is a sign and wonder we are going to have to get past this a sign is a visible illustration of something that cannot be seen that is in agreement between god and his people that's what a sign is it's something that's so miraculous it talks a lot in the bible about moses and all the signs he performed Do you know his life was just a miracle life well you know I was studying this, and God gave me this scripture in Titus chapter 2. And uh, I thought it was excellent. And God began to say this to me. You can't operate in grace if you haven't been trained by grace. Can I say that again? You cannot operate in grace if you haven't been trained by grace. Now, what trained by grace means, if you read Second Titus two eleven, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. Everybody say, teaching us. Yes. Teaching that grace trains, or teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purity for him, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. What that means is... God has put within us his Holy Spirit and by grace trained us. What does that mean? Grace is the thing that changes you. Now, you may think it's you, but it's not. It's grace. And grace is God's unmerited favor. It never changes. But it's beyond that. It is an enablement by God to become everything we're to become. That's what the word grace means. And in my Bible, it has a great definition of grace. And I can't teach on grace could be a whole I mean, it could be a whole year of teaching. Men have written books on grace. But I'm telling you, this is, what, this is what happens in a person's life in a nutshell. When I got saved, I was a mess. And God began to tell me how much he loved me. He said, I will pour my love in you, and every yucky thing will come out of you. As the love goes in, the yuck will come out. I had everybody beat on my back to cast out devils. I mean, they nearly beat me black and blue and called it God. I was so scared of the devil by the time I got out of that. Nothing wrong with deliverance. I believe in it. But this is how you get people delivered. In the name of Jesus, leave this person. And then you begin to fill them up with the word of God. Because it's the word of God, the love of God, the grace of God that changes people. And leaving them empty will never work. You have to get love in them. And so God put love in me. And then all of a sudden, I became Amazing Grace, the song. I mean, saved a wretch like me. And God began to fill me up with this love for him, for myself, and he filled me with the word. I read the word all the time, and the word has power to change a life. That's grace. That's grace, and this is what it says in my Bible. His grace is powerful and all-enabling to the believer. His grace facilitates our abilities to conquer every weakness as we yield to an absolute trust or reliance upon trusting his heart. Get this, trusting his heart even when we cannot trace his hand. That takes you into a position of operating in grace because then when God says to you, say this, you trust his heart and you can't see his hand. You don't know if if that person's going to get healed today or next week, but you trust his ability flowing through you. And if you've not practiced it in your life, if you've not let God change you by grace, you cannot help anybody else by grace because you operate in the flesh trying to make it happen. How many of you try to change a few people? Now, this works for your family. This works from the time you have children. You begin to speak words of life over them. You begin to call them what they're going to be. You begin to let grace, grace, grace go into that child. And you suddenly you see this child acting just totally opposite. You don't change your confession. You keep saying what you've been saying. You do not stop. You continue to press in to that kind of grace. Because that kind of grace is a grace that you cannot see. But it's working. It's working. It's changing them. And you have to continue to say it. I'm still saying things over some things that I've seen that aren't done yet. And I've been saying it for 30 years. But I'm not going to stop saying because grace is working. God God said, my grace is sufficient to Paul. What was he saying? And, and you know, when I hear people talk about this, they spend hours trying to figure out what the thorn was. You know, that isn't isn't what the story's about. The whole story's about this. No matter what you're facing that seems to be trying to lock you up, Or causes other people to look at you funny. None of that matters. My grace is sufficient for you. Let's get to the root of the problem. This is the root of the problem. You're looking at yourself instead of looking at me. And that's all I'm saying to you. He doesn't say I'm never going to heal you of whatever's going on. He doesn't say it can't be gone tomorrow. He just says while it's there, my grace is still sufficient. We get up every morning, Pastor Bill and I. We face things every day. You may think our house is just glorious. You drive by, you know, you see angels flying around the house. and Fire. (laughs) You know, he wakes up and sings, praise you, Jesus. You know, three verses of holy, holy, holy or something in the morning. That does not happen at our house. I wake up to text coming in, pray for me. I have got a horrible situation. That's the way I wake up. And, you know, I could get up and say, dear God, it's happening again. But I just say, you know what, this is the beginning of Change. This is the beginning of light coming into darkness. Do I feel that way? No. In fact, when that thing buzzes on my phone at like 6.30, I know that's not good. (laughs) Nobody calls me at 6.30 to say, good morning. How are you doing? God's good today. Everything's great. See, that's not the way it is. But because I've lived in grace, I know I can't fix it. But I know who can. And so I have to flip myself over into that place where grace begins to flow. That is the unmerited favor of God. First Peter, this is what it says in First Peter. And I, and I want to share this with you today because I just thank God that he helps me preach because I never know when I get up here how he's going to do it. And I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here we go. This is so good, isn't it? I mean, I love it when I preach because I learn every Sunday. I don't hope you don't mind, but this is a great teaching time. First Peter 3. But at the end of all things but the end of all things. Everybody say the end of all things Amen. is at a hand. Now this is what Peter thought way back there. Think of what it is today. I mean the day that Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, could not pray and somebody can stop him and he's the head of the national day of prayer. That's serious. That is a serious problem we have. But hallelujah, God's going to be there, and he's going to upset all of them. They're not going to be happy. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. That You might want to highlight that, without grumbling. As each one has received a gift. There's that word again. That's that gift, that charismatic word, that charismatic gift. It is. A gift, minister it to one another as good stewards. Everybody say stewards. Stewards of the manifold grace of God. Think about that. You have that in your hand every day. The manifold grace of God. That's God's unmerited favor and his ability to change situations. You know, I pray. I, I, I pray today for Courtney and Allie, and you may be here and you may be a teacher. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the school system but I want to tell you, we will be better for it. Now, I know that's a new thought, But whatever happens, we will be better for it. Hallelujah. This is a great day. This is a day to rejoice. What the enemy wants to bring is disappointment. And how am I going to do it? And what's going to happen? Instead of, holy cow, God is about to manifest himself big time here. And I am so excited about what he's going to do. Now, you can't say that to the people that are hurting. But you can certainly say it in the bathroom. They have a private bathroom for teachers. Lock the door. Go in there and pray. Hallelujah. Or wherever you are. Make your world different. Make your world different. Your world isn't subject to their world. Hallelujah. We are about to see the power of God be manifested. God must be pruning the place or something's happening. But whatever it is, God is going to resurrect out of this situation. What looks like death is life because that's the arena I live in. Hallelujah. And if I'm in charge, that's the way it's going to be where I live. I remember Jerry Seville, he said, when I get on airplanes, I take control. The pilot thinks he's flying it. No, he's not. The angels are around it. God's in charge, and I'm on board. Hallelujah. And I let him know in my heart, I pray, God, thank you that this. I take command of this airplane right now. I thought, well, if he can, I can. I mean, I, you should see me trying to get in a plane and get my hands on the side of that plane before I get in. I do it every time. I put my hand on that doorway. And I command that plane to fly the way I want it to fly. In Jesus' name, I sit there and say these engines will work. This plane will fly. Because we have to be aware that we are taking authority over a world that is going the other way. And so as we do this, this is the way God works. He gives us stewardship. It says in Luke chapter 12, he's going to come and he's going to look for faithful stewards. And when he finds a faithful steward, he says, to whom much is given, much is required. But he says, to those who have a lot, they'll have more. Why? Because God can use them as a steward. Everybody say a steward. We are a steward. We are a steward of the manifold grace of God. And the example he gave me was Moses. And uh, I was was talking with John, I think this week it was John, but uh, God's... God showed me Moses, and he was called to be the deliverer for the household of Israel. You know, if we're supposed to be stewards, he was steward of the power of God. He had a stick, and that stick could turn into a serpent. It could do all kinds of things, and he manifested signs and wonders through Moses. And, you know, for a while, the old magicians, they could keep up with him. But then it got to the point where nobody could could stop the frog. Nobody could stop the lice. Nobody could stop the darkness. And in the end, nobody could stop except the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the power that went through that land. And so I, I looked at that. And you know what it says about Moses? This was Moses. God got all done telling him his great mission. He was going to be a deliverer, going to get everybody out of, Israel, you know, out of Egypt, deliver them. And, he's, you know, this was his answer. Well, well, who am I? Isn't that us? I mean, excuse me, who am I? And you know what God said to that? Certainly I will be with you. Nothing about who you are. Nothing about who you are, Moses. Nothing about, do I care who you are, Moses, except that you say yes. Because I am going to use you as a sign and a wonder. And I'm going to control the situation. I just need you to be there. Well, we know Moses, he finally got Aaron to come along with him. He had a brother and a sister. And he had all three with it. I mean, the three of them. They were, that's who you hear about in the Bible. Aaron and Moses and Miriam, and they were brothers and sisters, but he, he allowed him to have Aaron, but I, I think the original intent was Moses, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, da da you are going to go, and you're going to deliver me, and take him to the promised land, you're going to do all these great things, and Moses' response would be just like ours, who, who am I, and, and by the way, who do I say you are? That's, those were his two questions, and God says, certainly I will be with you. Isn't that a great answer? Pam, I want you to go and stand before all the people at Mary Kay. Tell them what a great God I am. Now, that's a Christian organization. But, you know, uh, Courtney, I want you to go to this meeting, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. You're going to speak, and you're going to speak peace, and you're going to pray over everybody and (laughs) everything. Do you know the rules, God? No prayer allowed. Do you know this? I'm telling you, God can make a way, and when he does, boom. The enemy is defeated. We are a weapon formed against the enemy. Not he is a weapon formed against us. Now he is until we realize that we have greater power. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The truth is, Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. In other words, I was a sign and a wonder. You are a sign and a wonder. Now they're wondering about you anyway. Hallelujah. How many of you know that? So let's have some signs. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. God is good. God loves us.